This is Sarcastic Science. Enjoy today's episode, and thank you for supporting the podcast. Welcome everybody to this episode of Sarcastic Science. Before I begin, I just want to tell you guys about our new website, sarcasticsciencepo.wixsite.com. S-A-R-C-A-S-T-I-C-S-C-I-E-N-C-E-P-O dot Wixsite, W-I-X-S-I-T-E dot com. On this new website, you can now interact with the podcast in a way you've never been able to before. Submit questions or possible corrections you think that our researchers messed up on, and we'll take a look at them. Also, make sure to follow us on Spotify and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. In this episode of Sarcastic Science, we're going to be taking a look at how coral reefs can go from beautifully colorful structures to looking like the crowd at a Mumford & Sons concert or Michael Jackson after the mid-80s. White. This change is called coral bleaching. This episode is inspired by the documentary Chasing Coral a Netflix original documentary that follows divers, photographers, and scientists who are trying to find out why reefs around the world are disappearing. Now, before we dive into what coral bleaching actually is, what do we know about coral? I didn't really know a lot about it, biologically speaking. I knew it was a bunch of animals that were alive and kind of worked together to build this huge structure that we call a reef, but I didn't actually know what it was. So I did some research and found out that a coral is an animal that is made up of colonies of genetically identical organisms called polyps. Now, these polyps generally reproduce asexually, like a lot of my friends, because they suck at flirting and can't get girlfriends or boyfriends. Some polyps can have sex, but it's pretty rare in corals. The type of asexual reproduction polyps perform is something called budding. This is a gross simplification of the process, but essentially, the polyp will randomly grow a second head that will bloop, eventually split off from it as a separate organism. Now, in corals, these blobs don't actually split off from the original polyp. Instead, they stick together, like an overly clingy X. It is this property of sticking to the original that causes huge coral reefs to be formed. Now, coral reefs are formed when corals begin depositing a form of calcium carbonate as a kind of scaffolding as they reach towards sunlight. This is mostly made up of their waste and, you know, dead polyps that die and their skeletons, really. So when you hear coral being called one huge giant skeleton, it pretty much is. It's almost like corals build huge castles out of their own poop or waste. Coral reefs are a kind of poop castle, if you will. They use their waste, dead skeletons in the form of calcium carbonate, to build huge structures. Like if New York City was made out of poop. That's kind of what coral reefs are to corals. And now that I think about it, New York City would probably smell better if it was actually made out of poop. I mean, if you go into Midtown, there's just trash all over the street. It just smells rank. It's not a fun experience. So what is coral bleaching and what actually happens during it? In order to kind of simplify this, have you ever had like Taco Bell or Chipotle or, you know, some spicy food or something? Afterwards, like after you eat it, after a couple minutes, maybe like 10, 15 minutes, did you suffer from an EPA? Oh, sorry. For those of you that don't know, an EPA is an emergency poop attack. People who are more professional than myself might call it severe onset diarrhea. 
Coral bleaching is pretty much an entire coral system suffering from an EPA. It flushes everything that isn't working properly out into the open water. Normally, coral has microalgae living in its tissues. These algae perform photosynthesis and create about 90% of the coral's energy. So while corals are animals that are alive, they don't perform photosynthesis themselves, but 90% of their energy and food comes from photosynthesis from these symbiotic relationships with these algae. At night, the polyps come alive with their mouths and eat particles that come close to the coral, and this is where the other 10% of the energy comes from. When the oceanic environment changes too drastically, these algae aren't able to function properly, and in a response very similar to our immune system, the coral flushes itself of these algaes that no longer work properly. The coral is pretty stupid in this regard, but it believes that the algae are invaders that shouldn't be in its system. It is tricked into thinking that it's suffering from a disease and it needs to get the disease particles out. What the stupid coral doesn't realize is that 90% of its energy is produced from these algae, and once they're gone, they very rarely come back. Once they're gone, they, they're pretty much gone for good. The coral then begins to slowly starve to death. These polyps cannot bring in enough food, and the coral can't make enough energy to support itself. And as a result, the coral dies of starvation, and all that's left is the white skeleton that the living parts used to rest on. Hence the term bleaching. The colorful and vibrant coral that just existed there a few months prior is replaced by a dead skeleton. It's a horrible death, if you think about it, and it's very visually tragic. As time passes, other types of algae begin to digest the coral skeleton, giving it a kind of fuzzy appearance. If you were to touch this fuzzy coral, it would just fall apart in your hands into gross, hairy, wispy particulates. It's horrific and disgusting. Now, there is one leading factor that scientists have been able to isolate that can cause coral bleaching, external water temperature. When the external water temperature increases as little as 2 degrees Fahrenheit, bleaching can begin. I want to stress this point. 2 degrees Fahrenheit. The difference between the temperature of your garage in summer and your house is probably larger than 2 degrees Fahrenheit. It's very difficult for us to experience a change that small. But in coral, it causes the entire system to collapse. Other environmental factors can also cause bleaching, but temperature increases are by far the largest cause. Let's use a coral's New York City as a metaphor for a coral animal to see what actually happens when the coral is exposed to heated amounts of water for an extended period of time. We'll call it Poop City, which I think is pretty fitting of both New York City and coral reefs. Now, we know essentially what happens, but why don't we specify a few things first? The usual microalgae that exist in coral systems are called zooxanthellae. Horribly hard name to pronounce, and it's spelled even weirder, but zooxanthellae is a colloquial term for single-celled photosynthetic dinoflagellates that live in endosymbiosis with some marine invertebrates. That's a big sentence to kind of unpack, but basically they're the algae that live inside coral in a symbiotic beneficial relationship for both creatures. Now, let's say that these zooxanthellae are the citizens of Poop City. A paper published in 2009, 11 years ago, in the Journal of Experimental Marine Biology and Ecology by Kevin B. Stryker and Paul W. Samarco, established, quote, during the bleaching process, the expelled zooxanthellae suffer cell damage from heat stress, characterized by irreversible ultrastructural and physiological changes which are symptomatic of cell degeneration and death, called apoptosis or necrosis, 
end quote. This paragraph is an important part of the study, but it's not the most important part. The key finding of the study said this, quote, we found that the coral host cells in situ exhibited, for the most part, little or no mortality from increased seawater temperatures. Damage to the coral hosts only occurred under conditions of prolonged exposure, greater than or equal to 12 hours, at high temperatures, 34 degrees Celsius, or at exceptionally high temperatures, 36 degrees Celsius. On the other hand, we found high levels of apoptosis and necrosis in the zooxanthellae in situ under all treatment conditions of elevated seawater temperatures. We found that during bleaching, the host cells are not experiencing much mortality, but the zooxanthellae, even while still within the host, are." End quote. That was a super long paragraph to take from the paper, but the entire snippet was necessary for understanding what goes on during bleaching. When the external water temperature rises, even just a little bit, irreparable damage is done to the microalgae in coral. So much damage is done that the algae begin the process of apoptosis and or necrosis. Necrosis is just cellular death. Apoptosis, however, is considered to be cellular suicide. When exposed to warm water, an entire symbiotic relationship is completely destroyed. Think of a landlord evicting apartment residents because they keep dying, and without the rent, the landlord goes hungry and dies as well. That's pretty much what happens in coral bleaching. The coral flush out the food source, and then they starve once they realize they can't make any more food. So what makes these organisms begin to necrotize and undergo apoptosis? In short, the excess heat around them damages the enzymes used in photosynthesis. Damage at or near the photosystems of a cell causes the release of a kind of distress signal, like a scream for help. In order to prevent the dysfunctional cell from causing more damage to the organism or to other neighboring cells, it dies or it's killed. Let's go back to the Poop City metaphor. The citizens of Poop City, the microalgae, wake up one day and go about their business. Suddenly, it gets warm outside. At first, everything's fine, but all of a sudden, three weeks pass and it's still very warm. And in fact, it's so warm that the citizens of Poop City start having intense stomach pain. They either have to drop a massive dookie or something is terribly wrong. As they scream for help, they begin dying or begin committing suicide to escape the pain. To prevent damage to the buildings in Poop City, the officials deport all the sickly citizens outside of the city walls and say they can never come back in. While this happens, the buildings of Poop City are fine. Nothing really happens to them. As time goes on, however, the buildings will start to fall into disarray as the citizens are no longer there to take care of them. What happens in Poop City is what happens to the coral. The microalgae stop working properly in the heat and begin dying. In order to protect itself, the coral flushes all of the algae out and then begins to starve. It's a huge biological reaction that all stems from water being a few degrees warmer than it should. Think about how destructive coral bleaching can be if it only takes a few degrees change in the water temperature to cause this high level death. In the last 30 years, 50% of the world's corals have been lost. On the script, it says pause and repeat for emphasis. So in 30 years, 50% of the world's corals have been lost. In 2016, coral bleaching killed somewhere between 29 and 50% of the coral that makes up the Great Barrier Reef off the coast of Australia. To kind of put this in perspective, 
the Great Barrier Reef takes up over 130,000 square miles. Up to 65,000 square miles of coral reef died in one year. To put that in perspective, that's like the state of Ohio and half of Pennsylvania being erased from the map of the United States, or the entire state of Florida. To be fair, the world might be better off without Ohio and Florida, but that's a huge amount of coral lost if you think about it. The coral bleaching happens in bodies of water all over the world, and since 1980, mass bleaching events have doubled in frequency. Coral bleaching has large global impacts as well. Coral reefs are vital to their ecosystems, often acting as foundation species. Coral reefs develop their own ecosystems of marine life that cannot be replicated. A study published by Graham et al. in Diversity in 2011 showed that coral loss led to large decreases in fish diversity in the region. In terms of the impact on humans, between 500 million and 1 billion people rely on coral reefs for food, coastal protection, and more. 1 billion people worldwide. Around 13% of everyone currently alive relies on coral reefs in some way, shape, or form. Corals could potentially be completely eliminated by the year 2100 if oceanic temperatures keep rising. That's only 80 years away. Climate change and coral bleaching are inextricably linked. I won't dive too deep into the links, as the documentary Chasing Coral does that in a way that is far more visually appealing and more informative. But I will mention that around 93% of the excess heat on Earth is absorbed by the ocean. And this heat absorption leads to higher oceanic temperatures. With those final thoughts, that concludes this episode of Sarcastic Science. I want to thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please make sure you check out the documentary Chasing Coral on Netflix if you want to learn more, or visit their website chasingcoral.com if you want to find out how you can help corals all around the world. Also, please be sure to follow the podcast on Spotify or subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Check Sarcastic Science out on social media. Follow us, follow us on Instagram at sarcasticsciencepod for behind-the-scenes content and other extras. Check out the official website as well at sarcasticsciencepo, that's P-O, dot For Sarcastic Science, I'm your host, Max, and I will see you later. Later.